Hello, friends, and welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Colleen Johnson, and I'm here to guide us in raw conversations about thriving in life and work so that together we can step into personal agency and stop letting life happen to us. We'll cover topics like health, boundaries, communication, finances, and worthiness. That badass business you've been dreaming of, it's not so far off. The desire to wake up feeling fully alive, it's right around the corner. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm feeling really, really good today. I'm trying to stop saying I'm so excited for today's conversation because I say that every single time, but I'm just really feeling feeling good, feeling grounded today, and I think today's guest is going to have some, some really beautiful things to share with us. So I am recording from my office. It's a beautiful, sunny afternoon. I've got water in front of me, and I actually have my breakfast smoothie that I'm still finishing because it's it's already 1.30, and I'm still like just taking my time. Um, but that's the kind of day it is. I'm just enjoying it and feeling good. So today I have with me Rachel Saylor, and her husband was actually the very first person who was ever one of my podcast guests, which is super fun. And so I'm just going to share a little bit about Rachel. So Rachel Saylor, originally from North Carolina, lives with her husband and Frenchie in Tempe, Arizona. When she's not writing, she can be found snuggled up with a book, getting lost in a story, or off adventuring to create her own stories. Fire Diaries, a memoir, is her debut book. Its release was on April 25th, 2020, and that was the five-year anniversary of her and her husband's home fire. So I'm really excited to chat today with you, Rachel, and I know your story is so rich and beautiful, and you guys have really just shown up for yourselves in so many ways, and I'm just honored to have you here today. Oh, thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I'm going to use the word excited um, since you didn't. (laughs) Yeah, so I would love if you could start just by sharing where you're recording from, what you have in front of you, kind of setting the stage, and I know as a writer, you're so good at this. When I had Rachel, she has a blog post on my blog as well, and it was so beautiful to read through because you are such a writer, just your description is beautiful, so I'd love if you could do that now as well. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, okay. So in front of me, I have lots of drinks. I love my beverages. Mm. Um, I have a now empty cup of coffee. I have a cup of herbal tea that's uh, lukewarm at this point. I have a full cup of water because I live in the desert in Tempe, Arizona, and you always have to have water on you. It is Mm. imperative. Let's see. I have a small candle that's lit. I love to light a candle before every work session, no matter what it is that I'm doing. It, it helps me feel grounded. I have my chapstick because I can go nowhere without that. And I have Rupi Carr's book, The Sun and Her Flowers, which is mm-hmm. really beautiful, full of poetry. My journal and my pen. And I've got on the wall, I'll just tell you, I've got 100 Essential Novels, Scratch Off, So I try to read lots of those books and I get really, really excited when I get to scratch one of those off. I love lists and things like that. So that makes me really happy. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I have a picture of me and my husband, black and white. It was a picture taken of us in the Blue Ridge Mountains when we lived in North Carolina. And we've got coffee in our hands and we were surrounded by a horse farm. And I've got tons of books behind me because I am a book lover and I'm a writer, so I must always have books on hand. 
I love it. I love that so much. Are you in the space where you have kind of all those pages around you or is that a different space? That's a different space. Different space. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm like picturing as you're talking about this, like all these other things as well. But I'm sure that the space you're in now is, is just as fun. It sounds like you have lots of things around you that are just really special to you. And that's yes. so beautiful. Yes. Um, for people who don't know what I'm talking about, Rachel has this beautiful, it like, to me, it just feels like it's an anthropology storefront where you have all these like pages taped to the wall and it's just gorgeous. It's like an art piece in itself. It's amazing. Yes. It. My, my husband put that up for me as an art installation piece for Christmas. He surprised me and I just adore it. I love that. So, so fun. So I would love to dive into some of your story if that sounds good. Yeah, of course. So as you've said, I'm a writer and I didn't grow up knowing I was going to be a writer. I had other plans for myself and I've always been the type of person that when I set a plan and when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to follow through and I'm going to do that. Hmm. So my plan was to become a therapist and at the time, I was working in the social work field as a director of an after-school program for at-risk youth. And um, the idea of writing was, again, like I said, just not, a, not an idea. I didn't think I could do that. It, it didn't even pop in my head. So there was this time in my life where I got really, really sick. And it was very strange. I was in and out of, in and out of the hospital. It lasted for over a week and we didn't know what was wrong with me. But the one mm -hmm. thing that was really pulling me through apart from the support that I get from my husband, of course, were, um, were books. I love books. And it was the only thing that could really take my mind off of the pain that I was just constantly feeling. And I remember talking to my husband, Austin, about the current book that I was reading and an idea that I had for a story. And he looked at me and he just said like, why don't you write a book? And mm. I thought, huh, I just said, I never thought to. <laughs> I didn't think that was an option. I didn't go to school for that sort of thing. So all of those, those thoughts sort of popped up. But then I thought, but why not? I mean, I only have this one life and I'm really sick right now and you never know what could happen, right? We, we only have today and then when we wake up the next day, we're grateful to have that day. And so I thought, maybe this is something that I really do wanna go for. And I'm not someone who will just jump from career to career, like I said, so it was a big deal that I said, yeah, okay, that sounds really interesting. I think I should try it. And so I had these, you know, naive beginnings as we all do, I think, when we try something new. And I really just let it be at the whims of my inspiration when I would write. And of course, I still had my day job. So when inspiration struck, that was, you know, few and far between moments. And mm -hmm. I was just kind of feeling my way out, but I had no plan and I wasn't taking it seriously. I wasn't a profession of the, the writer's world yet. So I'm going along for about six months doing this approach, having fun, but not really knowing what I'm doing. And then in the middle of a night um, in the Appalachian Mountains, we wake up to our apartment on fire. It was super scary, very traumatic. And, you know, we only had a maximum of two minutes of waking up before we were down at the bottom of the apartment complex, looking up and seeing the flames bursting forth from our home. Mm -hmm. And that moment, like really, it, 
it just literally lit a fire under my own ass of like, again, Rachel, you only have this one life and tomorrow is not guaranteed. So what are you going to do with this life? Like, are you going to take this seriously? Is this just going to be a hobby or are you going to like go for it? And Mm -hmm. so that's what really kicked it off for me to say, okay, yes, I'm going to go for this. And that's when I started to, to get serious and write about the fire. Actually, I, I just started writing all these diary entries of how I was feeling of the actual fire and just detailing step by step what happened, exploring that, but knowing that this is something that I'm going to create as a full piece and put out into the world and kind of, you know, stake my claim of I am a writer and I'm going to show you by showing up every day to write. Hmm. So that's really what got me going. I, I love hearing your story with that. And um, there were a few things that really stood out to me. I mean, I've heard, heard your story some before and um, it is also on the blog as well, but I think just like hearing it from your voice is such a beautiful thing. Mm. And I, I really loved when you asked the question, like, well, why not me? Like, why not? And um, at one point you said that, and I don't know if, I don't remember if it was Austin who asked you that question or if you were asking yourself. Um, but I think that's such a beautiful question. And I feel like that's something I hear with my own clients is it feels like they reach this precipice where they have to ask that question of like, okay, I really want to do this thing. I know I have these gifts. I, I think I could do it, but, and then there's, you know, all of the fears and all of these other things. And then it comes to this point where it's like, okay, well you can like just accept those fears and you can accept those things or you could ask that, well, why not me? And then what comes next? Yeah. And I just loved hearing that in your story. And then also how you really took such a traumatic event and are using that as a beautiful space to share your story with others. Um, And I know you're, so the book just released a few weeks ago and I'm sure I'm really excited for you as the stories pour in of like people's responses from the book. I don't know if you've heard any stories yet. Oh yes. I have heard lots of responses. <laughs> I'm, I'm so curious. Can you share some of them with us? Or do you feel comfortable doing that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Some of them have been that they were tepid about going into reading fire diaries because especially during this time during COVID, there's mm. so many, you know, we don't know what's going to happen and it's feeling like a heavy time right now. And so I've heard from people that it was difficult to want to pick this book up because they thought, oh, this is kind of a heavy topic. I think this might make me feel sort of emotional and I'm not sure that I'm ready to pack that on top of what I already am feeling. But what was beautiful about it is those people who weren't sure about picking it up when they did, they said that they were so grateful that they did because it's actually been really helpful for them during this time, even Mm -hmm. though... It's, um, you know, I'm telling a very specific story about the trauma of a fire, but I think that there are some things that people can relate to no matter what they're going through, if it's just like a difficult time or trial. Mm. And so uh, the responses have been some of like, you know, I just felt like I should really own my own voice and be really authentic to who I am right now and be willing to share that with other people and not feel like I have to hide behind things or Mm -hmm. let other people speak on my behalf. So I thought that was just, I love hearing stuff like that. It makes me really happy. 
that someone can can use what use part of my story to help them and enrich their own lives, even if they haven't been through the same exact experience. Yeah. Um, so oh, yeah. that's been really lovely. <laughs> that's amazing. And I feel like that's just such a beautiful, a beautiful thing to remember as we're reclaiming is when we shine in our power and like we step up and we do use our voice. It's like such a trickle effect and it allows other people to see how beautiful it is and mm. how freeing it is when you step into using your gifts and using your voice. Um, and so that is just so beautiful. Thank you for sharing some of those pieces. Cause um, oh, yeah. I feel like that is, especially for a lot of my listeners, they're visionaries, they're dreamers, they have so many big ideas. And that is where we tend to get stuck is like, okay, like I want to use my voice, but I'm scared. And Mm -hmm. hearing that after it also impacts other people in such beautiful ways. Um, I just think that that is such a, I don't know, creates almost an urgency that of like, people need my message. Yeah. People, when I show up for myself, it's actually showing up for the world around me. Um, and I feel like we just need so many more people to be doing that. And it it just helps the whole world. I believe. Yes. And other people need you to be courageous. Because mm. then that courageousness really like it's infectious. So yeah. when you are courageous, someone else can pick that up and find courage within themselves. Mm. And I think yeah. that's really beautiful. And I know that, that my is- mentors and the people I look up to are really courageous and they're very authentic to themselves. And I can look at that and say, oh, that's awesome. I can do that too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. I actually, I was just sharing this the other day. Um, and I feel like I heard this in your story too. And this is something I continually remind myself is that often like courage and confidence specifically. So a lot of my clients are working with like confidence stuff, like being confident enough to use their voice. And this like little mantra has kind of come up and bubbled up through different conversations where it's like (laughs) confidence comes with not before. Mm, and it's like, you have to step out and be willing to do the scary things. And then you feel confident. It's not something that we usually achieve like before anything happens. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah. And I love how you, like you started even before the fire, you started to show up for yourself in small ways. Like you, it was like, I'm trying to think of like a good analogy of like, turning on a water faucet, almost like you're like, I'm just going to turn on just a little tiny bit. And you started like writing and things. And then it was like, after the fire, it's just like, all right, let's turn on the whole thing, like full yes. force, like jumping into it. And like, so amazing. I love that so much. So, yes. <laughs> so our primary topic is reclaiming your voice. And I'm curious, can you share just like, what does reclaiming your voice mean to you? And like, when you're actually sharing, like, with other people, specifically this audience right now, what are the initial words that you have? This directly goes with when I wrote Fire Diaries. So this is yeah. right when I decide, okay, I am going to do this. I'm jumping all in and I'm taking my courage and my confidence with me. The big thing is so many people have asked me over the years. So this is about five years ago that I started writing fire diaries. As I've gone along, people have asked me, you know, like, why, why did you write fire diaries? I guess it can be sort of obvious, but it still is a question that lots of people tend to ask. 
And I was really didn't want to answer that question. And I have shied away from it for years and I've given other reasons, but not the real reason. And what's funny is that the reason I wrote Fire Diaries was because I wanted to reclaim my voice. I wanted to be able to tell my own narrative and not have someone else or other people dictate my narrative and my mm. story. And I was finding that after the fire, I was put in this strange limelight because it's not something that I wanted. I wasn't seeking it. I wasn't excited about being there, but it did put me in a very strange limelight for a time. Everybody was watching. Everybody was watching, how is she going to handle this? How is she going to grow from it? How will she respond to others? And I felt like I needed to heal quietly because I was really angry. And I turned to write because I was so angry. I was angry at the people who started the fire. I was angry that nobody seemed to fully understand what I was going through, which how could mm -hmm. they? They'd never mm -hmm. been through a fire, most of the people I knew. I wanted people to understand like how it was really affecting me, not how they thought it was affecting me or how I perceived that they were perceiving my mm -hmm. situation. And so I just, I wanted all that to stop. And I would, I figured the best way to do that was just to put pen to paper and let my heart just pour out so that other people could see and understand me. And so that, that very specific part right there is what I was so scared to tell people is I wanted to be seen and understood. I wanted people to hear my words and actually for the first time, fully understand what it was like to be in my shoes. Mm. I was worried that people wouldn't like to hear that because it's, you know, sort of self-centered or like self-focused. It's not self-centered as much as I was focusing on myself makes sense, right? But I mm -hmm. still still felt this like, oh gosh, what if what if people think of me less because of that? And I I've just realized though that I need to step out even now and talk about the why that that is the true why of why I wrote Fire Diaries so that other people can take that courage and use it in their own lives and say, yes, I want to own my own narrative too. And I want to be seen and understood. Yeah. I think that yeah. as we want, we really want to be seen and understood. <laughs> mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And what I'm hearing as well from what you're saying is just this beautiful allowance of all of your humanity and emotions as you were experiencing your anger, like it, it, you were almost, you allowed, like writing gave you permission to be angry in some ways. Like it gave you a mode of like pouring out your anger. And you mm -hmm. can tell me if I'm interpreting this correctly or not, but also by using fire diaries and using your voice, it allows others the permission to feel their feelings mm -hmm. and emotions in all of their humanness because they see you and they see you speaking it out and they see you sharing your story. And not only is it giving them the doorway to understand and see from your perspective, but then it's giving them so much more freedom to experience that in their own life. Yeah. Which is Absolutely. huge, especially, especially in the Western world where we do swallow, I think a lot still, um, it's getting so much better, but there's still like a constant drive um, or we're encouraged still to be in this kind of constant forward movement mm -hmm. um, instead of just like sitting and being with our emotions and being with our story. And those are just like some things that came up for me as you were, you were talking. Absolutely. And I think it's so important 
for us to honor our emotions and not just push them down or push them to the side because ultimately they will pop back up and they might pop back up in ways that we don't like we we should want to deal with them in a, in a good way and deal with them it's just that's maybe the wrong term but feel them and accept them and let them be instead of you know becoming this pressure cooker mm. and letting and having things explode later in a different way but but owning your emotions yeah yeah, yeah. i'm curious because honestly i don't think anger has come up much in the podcast at all. Um, and I really appreciate that you shared that um, because I think we all experience anger. We try not to, I think a lot of the time, specifically anger out of all the emotions because it feels like it's a, a bad emotion, even though it's yeah. not. Um, but when things happen to us, like you had a righteous anger, your house burned down and people did not understand where you're coming from. And like, of course, like, hello. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, But we, we often were like, oh, well, I'm not supposed to feel this way or I shouldn't feel this way or like maybe I'm going to act out wrong or whatever it is. But I'm curious for people who maybe are in that spot of feeling angry right now in mm -hmm. their story, what encouragement or, or words could you provide for them? I think you're right. And I think that in our culture too, especially as women, we're not supposed mm -hmm. to be angry because we're supposed to be softer. Yeah. And I would encourage just to, to feel it and let it be and see it for what it is. I, I was going to get into this a little bit later, but I'm just going to talk about it. I think that when you are feeling angry like that, you should go take pen to paper, even if you don't consider yourself a writer and express yourself there and let it out and be fully free to be yourself and, mm -hmm. and be yourself and whatever emotion that you're in, if that's in anger, then let it out and don't feel shy about it. Don't feel, you know, reserved because this is yeah. you and your, your journal. Like this is between you and your journal. You should just show up and be real with it. And I think it's completely fine to be angry. I mean, we have that emotion for a reason. We don't have to just be soft all the time mm -hmm. and I just I think it's so important for us, especially as women, to feel that and honor honor your anger. Hmm. Yeah. 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 That's so beautiful. Honoring your anger. Um, yeah. something that came up for me while you were just sharing that too is um I was actually on a call with one of my coaching colleagues the other day, and she and I are like just kind of coaching each other a little bit. And a prompt that she gave me, one of my current goals right now is just to, to make art more often. And her prompt for me was, is there art that would not sell? Mm -hmm. And what came up for me when you were talking about putting pen to paper and like journaling, I believe that there is like, sometimes even when we're journaling, we try to write something that you know, when someone looks back on it years down the road, they might be like, oh, that's really inspirational or mm -hmm. whatever it might be. And like, what if, what is the <laughs> journaling that would not sell? What is the art that would not sell? What is like, if you were just to be really raw and honest, yeah, like what love, would that look like? Yes. And yes. yeah, a couple of the other prompts, I just feel like this is really like resonant with what we're talking about, but like a couple of the other prompts were like, what if I painted the worst of me? And mm. what if I painted the best of me? Like, what would that look like? So I feel like those prompts are also just very interesting to, to add to this conversation where it's allowing our emotions and allowing our story, whatever that looks like and knowing that that's okay. And that's, that's safe mm -hmm. when you're like, you're doing this in your journal or on your own. Like it's, it's just you. Yeah. 
Yeah. And just just writing stream of consciousness helps me during these times too when I need to mm. go back to pen and paper. Because when I do stream of consciousness, it's like you can't stop. Your pen must keep moving. And when you're doing that, it's harder to try to edit yourself as you go and think about, oh, what if someone reads my journal one day and I need to have something profound in here? You know, any of those weird thoughts that are going that could pop up. It's harder for them to make an appearance when you're just going, going, going. Yeah. Um, that's but I awesome. love your prompts. I'm going to use those. Aren't they like legit? When I like, yeah. as we were, we were talking and I, I was like, oh my gosh, like pulling these different things. I was like, I haven't made the art yet. So I feel like it's just going to be really interesting to kind of what, what comes out of that. But yes, I love it. So I also wanted to just kind of circle back a little bit. Um, we've started getting into some of the empowering tips and things, but I wanted to circle back because something that I find really inspirational about you and your husband, and I, I think that a lot of people do resonate with this, is that you both work for yourselves now. Mm -hmm. And I would love if you could share a little bit about kind of what that looks like for you now, because again, you said prior to the fire, you had a normal job and another part of reclaiming your voice really has also been kind of reclaiming your, your job. And that's what um, the blog post on, on my uh, website, that's kind of what that is about, but I'd love to also address it a little bit here if that's okay. Oh yeah, for sure. When Austin quit his job, it was about four years ago, I was still working full time. So I was able to support him for a year while he got on his feet and got clients rolling in doing that freelance life. And then he got his stuff to a point where he was like, okay, now you can quit and you can write from home full time and then also help me um, on the back end stuff. So gosh, it's been a few years now, I guess three, that I've been working from home and it's been really beautiful. I, I love my partnership with my husband because we've been able to support each other back and forth. It's mm. a give and take. And he has, you know, get, brought the money in while I'm working on my craft these past few years and writing lots of novels and waiting and being very patient with me to then, you know, this year, this is my debut book that's coming out, my memoir. And so it's been really beautiful. And that, of course, that's been really tough at times too, because I, I grew up sort of taking this in a different place, but I grew up thinking that I, I needed to make money, like always. Hmm. Um, ever since I was yeah. really young, I always had a paid gig. And so the past few years, it's been really strange. I, I take on smaller things, like I watch dogs or whatever to make little bits of money here and there, but not bringing in like a significant amount of money yet has been difficult for me at times, but I've I've really learned to be okay with it and to just totally let my husband bring in the money and be like, that's fine. Like I will make money again eventually, but I'm working on my craft and I am taking the time and effort to put into what my career, like building this career out. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing to wake up every day and I get to work in the same household in the same area as my husband, who's also doing creative work. That's different, but I can support him and then he can come in and support me too. And we've been doing more days of like collaboration time. So like half a day, I'll say, okay, I need help with these things. And he'll come in and just work with me until I get all those things done. And then maybe the next day, the half day is on his stuff and we work all on his stuff. 
And it's amazing what together we can create and do. Like we might spend half a day together working on my stuff and that's more than I could probably do in a whole week by myself. (laughs) But I've learned too that like I need the support from someone else. I can't just rely on myself to do make everything happen all the time. And Mm. I get so much energy and excitement from somebody else working alongside me. So it's nice because I've, I've discovered like how I tick better Mm, and we've made that work. Of course, our, our process is always growing and changing, which I love because I think that you should always be growing and changing no matter what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that fully answered your question. (laughs) No, I, yeah, I love that. That was really beautiful. And I just think it's always really interesting to hear. I think our our process is relatively similar to, to yours, which is really fun. Cause I don't meet that many couples where we've done that back and forth or like they've done the back and forth as well, mm. where, you know, we kind of take turns supporting each other. And I did it for a little while while Alex was growing his business. And now he's done that for me. And it's really, really fun and beautiful. It's hard. Like I, I resonate with what you were saying in regards to when you're not making money, it is almost this, also this really beautiful time to realize like, who am I without making money? Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that's a question that I've had to ask myself, like, who am I without making money? Who am I when other people are providing for me, which is just a really interesting thing to be asking. But I also want to just speak to listeners who are coming from a completely different background as well, because as I was listening to you, I can also just picture someone who is potentially wanting to start a business and who is single or not in any type of partnership. And if that's where you're at, I just want to encourage you as well that there are some beautiful ways that you can cultivate collaborative community and partnerships without a like romantic partner there. Mm -hmm. Um, And just as like an example, I'm currently part of a self-crafted mastermind. So uh, a fellow coach and I, we decided to craft a mastermind together where we have a few different coaches and we kind of collaborate and support each other as we're growing our businesses. And there's beautiful opportunities then to partner on different offerings together and to, you know, support each other on our podcasts. And there's like really beautiful ways and that's free. Like all of us are supporting each other for free. I understand that sometimes looking from the outside, having a partner can look very, very privileged. And I would personally say I feel very privileged to have a a partner who is willing to, to ebb and flow with me in ways that, that feel really good. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I know that there are also ways for people who do not have that. It may just look different, um, but I think they're all really, really beautiful ways to to reclaim what work can look like and to then to also just reclaim your voice and um, be able to share that with the world. Absolutely. And even with a partner too, we do different things. I'm a writer and he's a motion designer. And so we don't understand each other's work all the time. And mm. so I definitely have my online communities of other writers who I can talk about the craft and the pain points that we're having and all of those things. And that's really important too, Yeah, to be able to plug in with other people in your, in your business world. Yeah, definitely. I know. I, I just love having online community in general. I love that that's a thing we can do, especially right now during kind of this time of COVID. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just, that's what we are relying on is these online communities. And I've, you know, connected with some local people as well. But it's so beautiful to have these online communities that you can plug into of like like-minded, like-hearted and just like people that we can connect with on the same like career path as us. That's really beautiful. 
Yes. Yes. I love it. So I'm curious, we talked some about empowering tips that people can be implementing as they're reclaiming their voice. Specifically, we were talking about anger and just kind of how to process that through journaling. But I'm curious if you could share any other things that you have in mind for specifically just like reclaiming your voice. Yeah. So like I said, journaling is the first thing I think someone can do. And maybe if you don't process that way, that, I mean, I, I process writing. Of course, that's what I do. So it makes sense. But even if you wanted to record your voice Mm. uh, on your phone or on some device or something like that, I think that could also be really powerful and letting your emotion just fully out. So if you you don't want to journal, but I I still think journaling is a beautiful thing to do that. I was thinking about this um, grit and diligence that people have in their career. So one thing I'll say is everybody faces self-doubt we have these stories that we tell ourselves, these negative stories that we tell ourselves, like I can't do this because I'm not smart enough, I don't have enough experience, whatever all of these things are that we're telling ourselves, which is messing up with what's real and what's true. And I think that goes hand in hand with our voice. But the thing is, is those people that you're looking to, that you admire so much, they too have all of those self-doubts They wonder if their voice is true to who they are. They're wondering if they have what it takes. So we have all of these similar thoughts. And even the people that you look to that you think must have best days every day or most days, just knowing that that we all are in that position, no matter how much quote unquote success we think somebody else has, we're all facing that. And if you can just each day decide that you're going to to reclaim your own voice, your own narrative, and stand strong in that, no matter how you're feeling that day, people will notice that about you. And Mm -hmm. that's going to give them the courage to do the same thing with their own voice. So I think like knowing when you're reclaiming your voice, you're almost doing it for other people who are looking to you or will look to you in the future. That can be really just a beautiful Mm -hmm. and empowering thing. But to go sort of on the opposite side of that, knowing that you can give yourself grace, that you should give yourself grace, that when you feel like you've lost your way or you're unsure if you've really like stuck to your true self, your true voice or whatever it is that's going on, that you can have grace to just like chill out and just stop and journal or if you, you, you're not even feeling that and you don't, you don't even want to put your voice there to know that you can sit and meditate or just lay around and just be and let it all happen. But giving yourself grace gives you the space to, to really let your voice sort of sit with you. And mm. so that way, the next day when you wake up, you can take a, a stronger stance with your voice whatever that looks like for you. But you have to give yourself this this space and this grace to just be who you are in that moment and not worry about what you should be or what everybody's expecting you to be because it's easy to get mm. lost in all of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Kind of what what I heard as you were talking about that as well with like the, the grit and the diligence where like everyone has self-doubt is just this also remembrance of like, okay, these narratives are happening in my head right now. I want to reclaim them. 
Mm-hmm. And so what is actually true? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I know that that's like an exercise where I have to come back to that sometimes where is this narrative in my head actually true? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, am I believing a limiting belief or maybe someone said something and I internalized the belief or, you know, maybe I am just feeling really crappy. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is I'm going to be okay. Like I will be okay. But today I just need to give myself grace. And yeah, I just loved that. Um, and how you kind of talked through each of those pieces. That was really beautiful. So I feel like we've, we've chatted through a lot of different things with this, but before we move into wrap up questions or anything like that, is there anything else you want to share with the audience? I feel like I, I feel like I've said a lot of what's on my heart and I, I just want, I want people to feel that they can take that courage and confidence and walk into whatever it is that they're doing daily with it. And that by them showing up in that way, and honoring their emotions, honoring their anger, honoring their sadness, and giving themselves grace during those periods just to be and to write it out and journal and express themselves and not feel like they have to push it all down. And Mm -hmm. then showing up with just this diligence of like, I'm still here and I'm still going to go for this with all I've got because I love what I'm doing and I know that it's going to make an impact. Just do it and do it for all of the people that are watching you now or will watch you and know that you will be impacting other people in such a positive Mm -hmm. way. I think that's so helpful is to think about the other people that you'll be impacting and it it just helps push you forward and say, yes, I'm going to keep strong in my voice. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because I know that other people are going to benefit mm. and it makes, it makes a more beautiful world. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's really good. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was a beautiful kind of culmination of what we've talked about. That's, I love that. Yeah. So a few wrap up questions for you. The first one, what is one way that you slow down amidst our busy world? I have many ways I slow down. (laughs) I love that. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) I may be, I'm just really good at slowing down. I, well, I read, I'm an avid reader and Mm. I love to read. I love to escape to other worlds. It is such a beautiful thing. I go for walks. It is about probably 100 degrees out there right now in the desert, but early in the morning or late in the evening during the summer, I love going for walks. I chat with my husband or friends or siblings. That helps me just really chill out and Mm. just, yeah, chat, chat about everything, anything, nothing. I love to dance around my kitchen, get some music blasting either in my headphones if you know, if Austin's working, then I can do that and still dance around. I love to meditate, do yoga. I also do Orange Theory, which right now, obviously I can't go in and do it, Yeah. but I love doing their just online classes. It helps me just like go out of whatever I'm doing and do like a really wild workout and then feel, feel very relaxed afterwards. Hmm. As, as strange as that sounds, but it is really yeah. incredible. I mean, a lot of people resonate with that. I personally don't as much, but I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If I'm feeling anxious at all, I'm like, oh, I should probably do an orange theory workout. And then afterwards (laughs) I'm like, oh, I feel so much better. (laughs) Mm, That's amazing. I love that. So then another question for you is who are a couple of your current role models or mindset expanders? Oh yeah. I've got a few of those. 
I love me some Liz Gilbert. She, mm. She's very inspiring to me. You know, she wrote Eat, Pray, Love. She wrote Committed. She wrote Big Magic. She's written some fictional stories as well. But something that I love about Liz Gilbert, and she's one person that I always look to, and her courage gives me courage, and that's that she's willing to, you know, pour her heart out in these memoirs and these stories about her life. Hmm. But she doesn't feel like whatever she wrote about, that doesn't dictate what her tomorrow looks like. So even though she might have written a book about this love story and how she met her husband, that doesn't mean like, because now she, she got divorced from that husband and she married her best friend. She She's taken a lot of steps away from what it was that she wrote about during that time, but that was who she was in that moment. And she was really present with herself and she was present with her emotions and she was real about it. And it comes through what she writes and, and when you listen to her speak, it comes through so strongly. And so that gives me so much courage and confidence that I can do that too and that I can speak my voice and my truth for what it is today, knowing that I'm going to change because I'm going to be growing and my mindsets are going to expand and morph and I'm going to understand more about the world. And so it's going to look different down the road, but that doesn't mean that that should stop me from creating and putting my words out there what it is right now. Mm, yeah, and, it's just kind of like honoring honoring where you're at and where you've been. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And not feeling like you have to apologize for where you've been. Yeah. That's part of your story. Mm -hmm. That's how you've gotten to the place that you are today. So I, I love that about Liz Gilbert. And just a side story, she so she wrote Big Magic, and it's all about creativity. And I mm -hmm. love getting in there and just reading a small section, especially if I'm having a hard day because she helps me realize, you know, that I'm not alone and mm. that like that creativity is sort of a sentient thing and that you can have a real relationship with creativity. She taught me how to show up for my creativity. I wear lipstick on days mm. where I'm not feeling like it and I'm like, "Nope, I'm going to look nice and I'm going to I'm going to write today." And I'm showing up in this way by making myself feel a little more, you know, put together or just like cute or whatever. And she's helped me with knowing that fear can come alongside and be with you during everything, but that it doesn't have to control what you're doing and that it shouldn't mm. control what you're doing. But just knowing that it's there is okay. And saying like, it's cool. You can be here fear, but I'm the one steering this boat. I love that. So anyways, she wrote Big Magic and she also had a podcast called Magic Lessons and she had this other author and activist, Glennon Doyle, on there. And yeah. Glennon Doyle just came out with a book called Untamed. But in this podcast episode, Glennon talked about her reason for writing. And it was because she wanted to be seen and understood. And when I listened to that podcast somewhat recently, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, somebody actually feels the way that I feel. Like, so I felt like I could step in that more easily knowing that other people feel similarly. So Liz Gilbert and Glennon Doyle, I really looked to them. They they helped me just walk in my truth. And yeah. Rupi Carr, I love her. She's a poet. She's written Milk and Honey and The Sun and Her Flowers. I love the fact that she couldn't get a publisher to publish her poetry. 
she was really struggling with that. So she decided to take it into her own hands and say, I'm just going to self-publish this. I want to have the creative control of doing all of my drawings because she also draws and, mm. and also have all of my poetry together because breaking them all up doesn't make any sense. And so I loved that she had the courage to do something and create that. And then later on, a publisher, of course, came to her and because she was doing really well. And so, so from there, she's done super well for herself. But I love that she was willing to do the not normal thing and put herself out there in that way and her and to keep and to keep showing up even when people were like nah I don't I don't know that you know like I feel like that's always something we forget is like these people that we look at now um who are really popular or you know Mm well-known they may have not been well-known and actually rejected so much when they first got started and it's also just a beautiful reminder to like keep showing up even if you feel like your message isn't resonating yet yes like keep keep sharing it Yes, totally. Absolutely. I I completely agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. And, and then the last one is a guy named Hugh Howie. He is a writer as well. And he wrote the sci-fi book called Wool. It's probably his most popular one, but he also started in the self-publishing world and he figured out how to make that work for himself. Again, you know, not letting it be up to the agents and then the publishers but he was like, I'm going to do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, even his first books like didn't do very well per se. I don't know how they're doing now, but he really worked at it and he found his readers and he kept showing up all the time. And he's now found great success from everything that he's done. But yeah, he was doing what Rupi Card was doing. And that's just just going into it, even if you've been rejected or it hasn't taken off, but still walking in that. So it's really inspiring to me. Yeah. I love that. I actually haven't heard of him before, so I feel like I'm going to have to look him up. So then the last question for you is how can we find and support you online? There's a few ways. So I'm, I'm on Instagram. So if you want to connect with me there, I'm Rachel underscore sailor. That's, that's my main place that I chat with people. And my website is rachelsailor.com. But if you're interested in learning more about my memoir, Fire Diaries, firediariesbook.com has just some excerpts from my book, as well as some reviews that people have written about it. And it's available on my website, firediariesbook.com or on Amazon, if anybody's interested. Awesome. Awesome. So excited. Thank you so much for being here though. And just like sharing your story and Thank you for continuing to show up for yourself throughout your journey because it is, it's so beautiful to see how you are impacting people. And I have yet to purchase the book. I still need to do that, but I'm really excited to read it. And it's a reclamation journey. So when I talk about mm-hmm. reclamation, I, I sure it is like a journey because it's ongoing and, yes. and it is, it's just kind of that day to day. So I love that. I loved our conversation today and just really appreciate you sharing your story and being vulnerable in doing that because that's not an easy thing to do. So thank you. I'm so glad that you had me on. It's been so lovely talking with you. Yes. You're so great, Meg. Oh, awesome. (laughs) It's a mutual feeling for sure. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Reclamation Podcast. I hope it served you on your own reclamation journey and know that I'm rooting for you all the way. If you want to learn more about the show guests, 
head to the website, thereclamationpodcast.com. And if you found value in the show, five stars is always appreciated. Good things are coming for you. Bye for now.